Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Hi, I'm Matt Van Cleve, one of the pastors at Blue Oaks. We've been studying some of the amazing stories Jesus taught. And the one we're going to look at today is the story of the two sons in Matthew 21. Uh, This story is about doing what God wants. It's about knowing what's right and doing what's right. I'll read it starting at verse 28. Jesus said, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Now this story is really told in two parts. Uh, Part one, the dad tells the son to go work in the vineyard. In those days, family life and work life were intimately connected. Sons were expected to work for their dads. Uh, Their father was their employer as well as their dad. It was a matter of economic survival. So when the father gives instructions here for the day's work, it's not unexpected. This is just part of what a dad did. The father says to his first son, son, go and work today in the vineyard. He looks up from the breakfast table and he says, me, the vineyard, long hours in the hot sun, I don't think so. And so the situation is pretty tense around the breakfast table. That's a dramatically rude response for a son to make. The father turns to his other son and gives the same command. Uh, This son is cheerful and compliant. He's obedient. He says what the dad wants to hear. The vineyard? I mean, it would be an honor for me, dad. Maybe not for some, but for me, it's a privilege to serve. Thanks for asking. Just this morning during my rather lengthy private devotion time, I was thinking how I love the vineyard. Yes, sir, I would love to go. Now the mom and dad are just beaming with joy for this son. And I imagine they say, thank God for this obedient son. I mean, he's the hero of the breakfast table. But that's just part, that's just the first part of the story. In the second part, the first son leaves the breakfast table, but he can't get his father's words out of his mind. He thinks of all that his father has done for him, what his father means to him, and his heart softens and his stubbornness melts and he changes his mind. This son realized he was wrong and he repented. He goes to work in the vineyard. Now you can imagine the dad's surprise. I mean, he's working in the vineyard and suddenly son number one shows up. I mean, the dad must have thought, he's the last person in the world I would have expected to show up in the vineyard. I guess you never know. And then the father notices something else. The son that was such a joy to his mom and dad never shows up in the vineyard. He was so cheerful and compliant. He never said a harsh word. But as the afternoon wears on, it becomes really clear that he never intended on working at all. He never decided to do the will of his father and go to the vineyard. He was just blowing smoke the whole time. Two sons. 
One in open defiance says no to his father, but he repents and he goes to the vineyard. Another son, who sounds so right, who talks so smoothly, who appears to be doing everything that was asked of him, and yet in his heart, he had no intention of doing what his father wants. Then Jesus makes an application. In verse 31, he asked the crowd, which of the two did what his father wanted? It could be translated literally, which of the two sons did the will of his father? In other words, going to the vineyard is a metaphorical way of talking about doing the will of God. Then Jesus gets real tangible about this idea to the crowd. He talks about John the Baptist who came. And everyone there remembers this. John proclaimed the way of Jesus. He called it, he called it the way of righteousness. Uh, John called people to repent like the one son does in the story, to go to the vineyard, to do the will of God in every area of life. The person's response to this call, to the call to repentance, to the way of righteousness, your response to this call is everything. Will you do it? I'd like to ask you, if you would, just between you and God today, that you would apply this to your own life, that you would be one of the sons or daughters of the father around the table, deciding whether or not you will go to work in the vineyard. Where do you have to face this? Where does the call to repentance take place in your life? Let me ask you it this way. Do you have any place in your life where you're not living in full obedience to Jesus? I read a prayer this week. This was someone trying to do the will of the Father. Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I've not whined, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I'll need a lot of more help after that. I have areas in my life, uh, maybe my critical spirit or the words I use that are not uplifting but damaging or my attitude. Uh, I have places where I'm not living in full obedience to Jesus. That is, I'm not going to the vineyard. I'm not doing the will of the Father. And I'm asking you, will you identify this in your life? Where are you not doing what God wants? Just take a moment and think about that. All right, now we're going to talk in the time we have left about the process of character formation. I need to gain a sense of clarity around where I'm not living in full obedience to Jesus, and so do you. So we're going to walk through a three-step process. It's a real important process in which character gets changed. Character formation actually takes place. And the first stage in this process will involve what might be called confrontation. I need to have clarity, where am I not living in full obedience to Jesus? And I need to have a sense of urgency. This needs to change in me. Uh, I'd like to ask you right now to allow the Spirit to speak to you about an area in your life where you're not in the vineyard. You're not living in full obedience to Jesus. You're not doing the will of the Father. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you loud and clear about an area where you're not doing the will of the Father. Uh, maybe it's an area of honesty. Uh, you're aware of maybe a pattern of deceit in your life. Maybe it's in the way you relate to your children or your spouse. Uh, maybe it's a work situation and there might be greed going on. Uh, maybe it involves anger and you just damage people with your words. 
Uh, maybe it's about some area of self-control, uh, addictive behaviors going on in your life. I'll tell you what, if you're honest about this right now, there's some area in your life where you're not fully obedient to Jesus. And when Jesus is applying this story, he says this is precisely the ministry of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist came and he confronted people. His whole ministry was a ministry of confrontation. People were being confronted with their sins. And they were saying, yes, I'm a sinful person. And they were repenting and they were being baptized. Uh, now, I want you to consider something about this ministry of confrontation. And that is, uh, how does this ministry of confrontation come to you? Uh, think about some of the ways this ministry of confrontation comes to you. Uh, sometimes it comes through scripture. Uh, sometimes you read the Bible and all of a sudden it's like God is just speaking through those words right to you about an attitude that you need to change. Uh, that's part of why we need to be reading through scripture. Uh, we need to be uh, open and listening when we're reading scripture. We need to be saying, you know, God, maybe you need to talk to me about some area where I'm not conforming to Jesus. I want to ask you a question that may be difficult for you. Uh, do you read the Bible on your own? You know, I could say, do you believe the Bible from cover to cover? And you might say, yeah, of course I believe it. My question to you is, do you read it? It's one thing for you to hear God's word being taught for 30 minutes a week. It's another thing for you to learn God's word on your own. And here's why I ask, if you make a commitment to go to the vineyard, you're gonna need to know where the vineyard is. I mean, if you make a commitment to do God's will, it's important that you know what God's will is. And the only way you're going to know that is by reading his word. If I make a commitment to be a professional heavyweight bodybuilder, I better know what being a bodybuilder is about, um, which as you can see, that's one of my commitments. Uh, this is true if you want to learn to do the will of the Father. You're going to need to read God's word more than just a few times a month. So that's one area where the ministry of confrontation comes to us, through reading the word of God. Sometimes confrontation comes through teaching. Have you ever been in a small group or listening to a pastor teach where there's a biblical challenge directed at some behavior or attitude and you realize God is talking directly to you? When someone is teaching the word of God, we need to ask God, do you have some area of my character that you need to speak to me about? And we need to expect God to speak. I would say one of the most powerful ways God speaks to us is through the teaching of his word. And we need to listen, expecting God to speak to us about some area of our life and character. God will speak to you. Are you willing to hear what he has to say? Well, that's the first stage in this process of being fully obedient to Jesus, confrontation. The second step is response. I have to respond. If someone indicates to me an area where I'm not being fully obedient to Jesus, I have to respond. Now, I can do a couple of things. I can resist if I want to. That's what the first son in this story does. He says, I don't care. I mean, that's his initial response. I'm not going to the vineyard. I can harden my heart. I can close my eyes. I can deliberately shut this part of my life off from God. And you can do that if you want to. And if you honestly search your heart on this one, you may have to admit that you're doing that in some area of your life right now. You're just shaking a fist in the face of God and saying, you know, I don't want to change this area of my life. 
No one can force you to change. The only answer, unless you want to get to the end of your life and have a mountain of regret, the only answer is to do what the first son in this story does, and that is change your mind to repent. But I'll tell you what I think the greatest danger is for you and me. Uh, I think the great danger is the danger of the second son, where there is this insincere, superficial compliance. The son claims that he wants to do the father's will. He wants to go to the vineyard, but the truth is he never does it. His compliance was just a device to avoid confrontation and pain. You know, in my life, the reason I don't face up to the truth about myself, that I deceive myself, is just pain avoidance. And I can get really good at it. I can look pretty good on the surface, just like this son can. I can sound pretty sincere. I can put on a spiritual face, but underneath it, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. This son, like so many of us, wants the approval and the ease that goes along with obedience, but without the trouble of actually obeying. He doesn't want to actually obey. This is the person who prays a prayer like, you know, Lord, your will be done in my life. You know, you're the potter, I'm the clay, mold me and make me what you want me to be. But if anyone tries to confront you about something, maybe the way you spend your time or your money, you can be pretty stubborn clay. Now, the number one evasion technique is generally that we'll avoid, avoid being confronted. We'll never ask someone to point out areas of our lives where we're not conformed to Jesus. But I believe this response, insincere, superficial compliance, the second son, is the greatest danger of all. You know, growth will not happen until I value facing truth more than I value avoiding pain. Let me say that again. Growth will not happen until I value facing truth more than I value avoiding pain. And that leads to the only response that actually brings change. And that is if I say yes to God. This is very important because we may be confronted with the truth about our life, but God will not change it in us if we resist and defy him. God will not violate our personhood. We need with an open heart and open spirit to say yes to God. I'd like to ask you to do something at this point. If there's an area in your life right now that you're aware of where you're not conforming to the way of Jesus, if you're willing, this is just between you and God, don't treat this casually. If you're willing in your heart, just say, God, whatever it is that you need to do in me, even if it's painful, even if it involves another person knowing the truth about me, I'm going to stop resisting. I'm going to stop evading. I'm going to stop denying that I have a problem. I'm going to stop procrastinating and say, okay, God, I need to change. I can't do it myself. I ask you to do your work in me. God, I say yes to your work in my life. I didn't always live the way God wanted me to. I used to have problems. Some of them I was aware of and didn't care to change. Some of them I denied even having an issue with. I had a problem with insensitivity. I had a problem with carelessness. I had a problem with arrogance. I had a problem with drinking. I had to be confronted with the sin in my life before I responded to it. See, for me, it took a long look in the mirror and a genuine heart check. I confessed my shortcomings with people around me and to God. On the surface, it's easier to be confronted by God because 
keep our sins hidden from others and avoid the public shame. Too few of us take that opportunity and need to be called out by someone who cares enough to see us do better. The funny thing is, I had nothing to be afraid of because everyone showed me incredible grace. And it's not like I could hide anything from God anyway. The truth is, people probably already know what our problems are, but we just pretend that no one notices. Well, the truth hurts, but the truth also sets us free. I didn't want to face the truth because it meant that one, I had a problem, and two, I didn't want to put the work in and make it better. I thought it might be too difficult and that I would fail, but when I took an honest look at the path I was on, all I could see was a dead end, and I knew I had to go another way. It made no sense to keep going forward. See, I think we get stuck when facing the truth for two reasons. Either we're arrogant enough to think that we have it all under control and we know what we're doing, or we're in denial and we don't think that our sin is really that bad. It's arrogant to think that God is proud of us in our sin, and it's shameful to hide from God in our sin when he wants better for us. Well, I was humbled. I allowed God to take over. He completely changed my life. I haven't had a drink in over three years. God blessed me with a beautiful wife and baby boy. I still might be a little rough around the edges, but it's all been worth it, and it started with doing the next right thing. I don't know how many times I've flaked on family and friends by making plans and canceling, or not following through on assignments I said I would get done. It's just like the son who talked a big game but did nothing. I still have the instinct to reject ideas or get out of things I don't want to do, but as my wife tells me all the time, just do the right thing. And I end up doing it. And I might have a bad attitude sometimes, but at least I'm honest. When I give up control and allow God to move in me, it will always be the right thing to do, no matter how difficult I think it will be or how much it'll hurt. God is good. Okay, now we're going to talk about the next step. The ministry of confrontation is the first step, and then there's the response. But just saying yes is not enough. Uh, the next step is that I must enter into the process of change. Uh, usually this process involves certain spiritual practices through which God brings about change. And this will require wisdom. When you go back and look at the ministry of Jesus, you see that he's a genius at this process. Uh, he confronts us with the truth about ourselves, and then he elicits a response from the people, and then he enters them into uh, the process of change. For instance, uh, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Uh, he deliberately increases the taxes uh, for his own personal gain. Uh, think of the seven deadly sins. Uh, which sin do you think he most wrestles with? Where is he not going to the vineyard? Where is he not doing the will of the Father? It's greed, right? And so Jesus comes to the tree where he's hiding, brings him out of hiding, confronts him with the truth about himself. Zacchaeus comes out of hiding, receives Jesus into his home, says yes to Jesus, and then the classic spiritual practice involved in helping him to overcome greed is giving. If Zacchaeus is ever going to be liberated from this greed that has him in its grip, uh, he's going to have to give. And so what does he do? He says, anyone who I've cheated, I'm going to give them four times what I've taken away from them. And he didn't have to do that by law. And then he says, plus, 
I'm gonna give away half of what I have. I mean, think about that. In addition to paying people back four times what he cheated them, he's gonna give them half. He's gonna give half of what he has, half of his possessions to the poor. Do you think that started a process of change in his heart? The liberation from greed and the emergence of generosity in his heart? Do you think he realized it would be so much better to live as a generous person who says yes to this new way of life than to be a hoarding, miserable, greedy person? This pattern is critical. Confrontation, seeing the truth, response, saying yes, and then entering into certain practices where change begins to happen. I was with someone recently who talked on and on and just loved to hear himself talk. Uh, other people were desperate to get away from him. Eyes were glazing over. I mean, he could not stop talking. Do you know anyone like that? Well, he needs someone who loves him enough to have the ministry of confrontation, to share the truth. And then he could enter into something. Uh, there's a spiritual practice he needs to enter into. The practice is silence. Uh, that would be hard. Uh, that might require the ministry of duct tape for him. Uh, let me give you another example. Let's say you wrestle with gossip. I'm sure no one wrestles with gossip, uh, but theoretically, let's just pretend that the person next to you wrestles with gossip. If that was the case, what practice would help them overcome that problem? You're probably practicing it right now. It's the same as the guy who talks too much. Silence. Uh, if you were to practice an hour a day of silence or of speaking as little as possible, you would discover that it's possible for you to know something and not say it. And that could change your life. I mean, it could change the lives of the people around you. You will learn it's possible to know something and not have to say it. And you'll begin to be able to say the right thing in the right time, in the right way, for the right reason, and not speak when it's appropriate not to speak. Last example, maybe God has confronted you about your lack of joy. Uh, you have a hard time being a joyful person. Well, you need to first respond to God. You need to say yes to God and then enter into a practice that will begin to change you. And that practice is celebration. Celebration is a spiritual practice. Celebration is an activity you can engage in to train you for joy. So maybe you need to have one day a week that's your day of celebration. You wear the clothes you love to wear, you eat the food that makes you happy, you listen to music that fills your heart with gratitude, only spend time on that day with people who fill you with joy. Again, for you, there may be a step. What step can you take this week? Pray, uh, study, reflect, silence, solitude, give. Here's what happens when we hear truth about ourselves and we say yes to God and we enter into a process of being conformed to the life that Jesus has for us. We find ourselves responding the way that Jesus would respond if he was in our place. And of course, Jesus is our model of going to the vineyard. Jesus is truly our model of doing the will of the Father. I mean, the greatest act of love in all of human history was Jesus Christ going to the cross so that we may have life. But he didn't want to go. He stayed up awake the night before pleading with God that he would find another way. 
But ultimately, he did the will of the Father. He went to the vineyard. You see, God the Father says to you and me today the same thing he said to his son that night. Go to the vineyard. The Father says to every one of us, go to the vineyard. And some of us sound so good at first, sound so spiritual and say, I will go. But we never get there. Some of us push back and defy at first. But as we move throughout our day, we end up in the vineyard. So what about you? Will you do the will of the Father? If you will, I want to challenge you to do something before the day is over. I'd like you to think about ways in which you've been guilty of not going to the vineyard. And then just release those to God. Uh, Maybe you're aware today that you've been kind of playing around with temptation for a while. And you realize what the consequences could be um, if you don't stop right now. Uh, Maybe you've already said yes to the Father, but you're not moving toward the vineyard. You're moving away from the vineyard. Maybe there's a pattern of sin going on in your life and you need to acknowledge it and confess it right now and put, put a stop to it before you move any further. Maybe you're listening today and you're in great pain. Maybe there's a guilt or hurt from what you've done. You need to come to your senses. You need to do the will of the Father. Will you just take a moment today to confess to God those ways you've been guilty of not going to the vineyard? All right, let me pray, and then the band will lead us in a closing song. Uh, God, I just pray for those people who have not uh, considered or thought of the way in which they're not uh, going to the vineyard or not being obedient to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them loud and clear right now, that you would bring that to the surface, that they would see it, and they would know it, and then they would respond, and then they would enter into a spiritual practice that would help them to be transformed, to be, to be changed, to be new. And uh, we need your strength in this process, God. We need your Holy Spirit to work in this process. Would you do your will in our lives? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.